Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class John Valentine. Welcome to the Veterans Be Real podcast. Here's where we try to keep it real and do our best to help all our fellow veterans out there. This podcast will hopefully open our veterans' eyes into the transition and challenges they are facing and give them some guidance along the way. Please subscribe and download our podcast. We look forward to you, your insight, and your loyalty. Thanks for listening. And now here's Veterans Be Real. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, Veteran Be Real listeners. It's Sergeant Be Real here, or Nick. Uh, today I have Danique on. She is a Navy veteran, and you guys all know how I feel about the Navy. My dad served 20 years in the Navy, so I love the Navy. I just hate him when it's Army-Navy game, so we're good. But uh, so Danique's going to come on, talk to you a little bit about her her organization, what she's doing, how she got to where she's at. So Danique, the floor is yours. Hey, uh, thank you for having me on. And um, I'm not that into football, so you know, yeah, we don't I mean, have that much rivalry going on. We're good. We're good. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Navy vet, and I've actually been out for a hot minute. I was a post-9-11 joiner, so I actually finally made it to boot camp in early 2002. Um, so I was super motivated. I really wanted to be a law enforcement officer, and the Navy promised me that in my contract, so hence... And then, um, that's the branch I chose. And my dad said, you know, it's a good place to always bring your shower in your bed with you if you're in the Navy. You're not sleeping in a hole. Yeah, you're not in a foxhole with us. Yeah, you're good. Exactly. So um, I did five years. I ended up not deploying and um, sustained a lot of injuries. I was first at Weapon Station Charleston in South Carolina for the first three years. So during the invasion. My dad was, I did time in South Carolina, Goose Creek. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. My dad did time there when I was a kid. So yeah, I know that place. <laughs> that was my uh, stomping grounds for the first three years. Um, when we had the break there, we had some special guests there before Gitmo was popular. You did. Um, so it's definitely an interesting duty station for stateside. Yeah. Um, it was not good for me personally. I had a super shitty leadership. We'll just leave it there. Um, and I was really excited to leave that command. I left on NCIS orders. Good place to leave it. Leave it there. Yeah, right. Um, so I went to Protective Services School in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, also known as Fort Lost in the Woods. And I literally got stuck there during Hurricane Katrina. So that was um, fun. We're connecting already. Charleston, I was there. Fort Leonard Woods, where I went to basic and AIT. My first came in the Army. So see, we're, we're on this track already. We didn't even met each other very long. We're already bang, bang. We're two things. We're good. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time with the CBs at Fort Leonard Wood while I was stuck because Millington um, evacuated. So our orders weren't being cut. And I ended up going on the John F. Kennedy aircraft carrier out of Mayport, Florida. So that was my- um, Been, my there Been there too. My dad was stationed in Mayport, yep. Oh my God. My dad, so, you and my dad were following each other around. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we had a very similar career then. A career path there, yeah. So I was on the Kennedy for a short amount of time. It turned out I had an overseas screening and not a sea duty screening, which were two different medical exams in the Navy. Nice. And um, I ended up being med boarded. So I left the ship and spent my last year at Mayport Security. Mm-hmm. And um, another really profound command, really shitty leadership, but a really tight group of canine people that um, influences my life to this day. So it does have a lot of significance, um, the people I was stationed with there. And I left the Navy out of Mayport. And it was one of those med board is over. 
you have 30 days to get out. I wasn't allowed to take my terminal leave. I had to sell everything back. And 30 days later, I was kicked out the front gate with not even an ID card, no retirement, no DOD rating, nothing. Wow. So that's how my transition starts. Navy treated you pretty tough there, girl. So yeah, that's a tough, tough way to start the civilian sector again, yeah. Yep, so I, um, I mean, I can pause there if there's any questions on that part, but that's oh, really I mean, where my it's transition an, starts. What I would tell a lot of the listeners out there is that if you're listening right now and you're on active duty, I don't care what branch you're in, you already heard Danique talk about how she didn't have great leadership, which is a, a systemic problem we've had in the military over the last decade, probably, because leaders have become social media and all this stuff has really gotten leaders detached from their soldiers or sailors or Marines or whatever. And they're not as attached as they used to be like when I first came in back in the early 90s when, you know, squad leaders lived in your bunker, basically. They lived in your, in your AO all the time. So piss poor leadership leads to situations like the NECAB where they get her out. She didn't, nobody took care of her. They didn't give her a bus. Like, just get off the base. You're out of here and you're done. And then she had to figure everything out as she goes. So I'm sure we're going to get into that story here pretty soon. But that's kind of how it goes. Like, did she have her, did she get all her benefits? Did she get all this because of the way they got her out of the military? So there's a lot of sticky stuff. So if you're listening and you got bad leadership, you need to reach out to a mentor, to somebody that's already a veteran, somebody that can help guide you. Because what Danique had to go through, if she'd had some guidance, she might have learned some things before she got out that she could have taken care of on her own, that she could have taken care of with the, with the process of getting out, where she took care of herself a little bit better than the piss-poor leadership she had that didn't take care of her. So unfortunately, that's part of being in the military. It's like any other business. There's good leaders and bad leaders, and Danique just have to have some bad leaders, and that's just unfortunate. But she's where she's at now, so she survived. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, no grit, no pearl, right? So yeah, no sand, no pearl, that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so 2007, I find myself with an administrative discharge um, and uh, basically I had to fight for all my VA rights too. So I had to, you know, do from the bottom up getting your GI Bill and doing your VA claim. Um, I started that in Jacksonville, Florida, I started college in Jacksonville, Florida, and really was just very lost my entire identity had been stripped from me so really don't think that you're not going not going to go through an identity crisis when you leave the uniform it's huge that's the that's uh, probably the worst thing for all of us whether you got out like you did or you retired like me there's a whole identity change of who you because you're not who you were anymore you're somebody different now and it's like trying to figure out who that person is now because you've been doing so a certain way for so long and also now you're not that person it's kind of scary exactly yeah it's scary yeah, so, you know, major identity crisis and asking for resources that are inex resource givers that are inexperienced when you don't know what you want either is what got me in my um, first situation in the transition. Right. I had all these benefits being given to me, but I, I don't know what I want to do, who I am. I went to cosmetology school, people. Wow. So, <laughs> to this day, couldn't really explain how that happened, except for it seemed like a very safe, um, everything was dictated again. I don't know how I slipped into that, but let's just say my personality does not really fit into the salon world, nor should I be allowed with sharp objects near other women most no of the time. No scissors, no scissors, no scissors for Danique. Okay, yeah. So, but the, my voc rehab counselor really like coached me through going to cosmetology school and going into the, the that industry. Like it was a full trajectory and I finished school, got my license as a hairdresser basically and then I, um, I had just gotten married, my husband deploys, and I moved to Syracuse, New York from Seattle where I went to hair school. I'm an unemployed military spouse in Syracuse. That's basically where the story then goes next. Nobody will hire me because I'm new to town. Right, 
you're new in the field too. So yeah, you're got no zero experience so far. Yeah. So, you know, husband's away, there's no military community, especially for a Navy in, in Syracuse. So I was just like completely lost again. So I end up going back to a voc rehab counselor and, and asking for like, how do I get a job? Like I was just asking for help on getting employment. And she's like, what are you doing with a hair license? And you have more GI bill, like just go back to school and do something. Um, and I ended up doing that. So I ended up going to Syracuse University. I had to, again, start all the way at the bottom because my GPA was atrocious. Yep. Um, so I had to like do the night school classes and earn my way into the regular part. But they had a really, I had a really strong professor that knew like that was the turning point for my mental health breakdown. My PTSD started coming to the surface yep. um, while in school. So I started going to the VA health section finally and actually seeking mental health treatment while I was um, in college. So I started going to therapy and like trying to figure out a drug regimen that worked for me. So not the first option was palatable. So also learn to speak up when, when you feel like a zombie or whatever the meds are giving you, if it's not right, then say it's not right. Don't just take first, first gospel. Um, so it took almost a year for me to figure out the right, I guess, cocktail of talk therapy versus being just around other peers versus meds. Um, but it got to a pretty good balance where um, I did really good in school. Nice. So it, you know, it was a bumpy road, but I really enjoyed going to college. And that's where I met a girl who was getting a service dog. Right. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Service dogs. Cause I only knew military working dogs. Yeah. Um, one side, this is a different side, yeah. So she was going to get a service dog from this organization and I really started just reading more on it. I told my husband to get a service dog cause he had issues and he had just retired. And as I got more into this, I actually changed my degree field completely. I had a full ride to another degree program, left that behind and wanted to go to school for service dog policy, specifically veterans wow. policy. Nice. Um, and that's how I ended up doing in grad school and got hired right out of grad school at an organization. I did a lot of my research for my dissertation with uh, and that was my first job. I got, I managed to get hired right out of college. And I will say that has a lot to do with a veteran network. Without that, I would have never stumbled into any of the contacts and that job was never listed. So for anybody transitioning, please don't think that sending out 700 resumes is going to get you anywhere if you do not make human contact. Um, and realistically uh, joining- I've been preaching that for like 10 years since I got out of the military. It's all about it's all about the people you know and meet, and you got to really lean on them when you need something, and, and and depend on their ability to be human with you and just help you guide you to where you need to go to, and that, and it works out if you just listen and you reach out. So yeah, totally. And there's um there's so much power in the veteran network. Like joining the DD two fourteen club is what I call it, is like joining the largest fraternity in the world is being a U.S. veteran from any generation. So the reality is if you actually ask for help or even an introduction or just a like, you know, info meeting, like I'm not asking you for a job, but I love your industry. How did you get, you know, like these 10 minute <laughs> sessions, ask somebody to walk with them at a conference, not ask for a whole meeting, ask to walk with them. Yeah. I've gotten so much out of those brief conversations. Um, and that's how most of my jobs have been landed is through contacts including founding Leashes of Valor and our entire support network and founder, like founder funding that we got was all through people within our network and majority of them are veterans. 
Yep. I mean, for me, I've made more business, um, more business, more business partnerships, more partnerships, more success with business because of my network than I ever have would have been able to do on my own and just trying to do it on my own and figure it out. It just never would have happened. So absolutely crazy. So basically getting, getting the first job out of college, (laughs) I really got into the veterans service dog space. Um, left that job. One of my board members got a job at a DC agency and brought me on there. And we built out another program like the previous program, left that job as well. And then somebody asked us why we keep building other organizations programs and not just start our own um, the way we want it. And that's how basically Leashes of Valor was born in 2017 was we wanted a grassroots level organization where we had full control over the, the end quality of the product, but also our involvement in changing the policy aspect of service dogs because there, um, there's a huge lack of resources in veteran these dogs. So 2017, we founded Leashes of Valor, which made us officially entrepreneurs. Um, and we've been uh, losing, losing sleep and uh, scraping by ever since, but it's been a really exciting ride. Yeah, I know that. I know that feeling because I run a nonprofit myself, and it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it ain't no joke. Um, raising money every month and trying to figure out the world and everything else—it's tough. And, and and keeping your head afloat and people coming in and asking to the, re- I, you know, what kills me is the requests I get. They're so off the wall sometimes. I'm like, do you realize what I do? And that has nothing to do with what we do. Why are you requesting that? So yeah, crazy, 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 crazy. So. Let's talk a little bit about Leashes for Valor. So talk to us about what that is, what it does, how it helps veterans, and where we're at with it. So Leashes of Valor is a national nonprofit that provides service dogs at no cost to veterans. Um, Our dogs are custom trained to the specific veteran, meaning they're task trained to that person's specific symptomology. Um, And we are a 10 10 to 16 day residential program, meaning you come from anywhere in the country to train on campus. Um, so that we actually teach you how to use your tool properly. And um, all of those things are at no cost again. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Cause I know I, my wife's been trying to get, I mean, we got dogs in my house I and mean, then I got a, and I got a dog that's technically mine, but he's just a knucklehead. I mean, he's just a big nail. He's not, cause I have PTSD really bad. And you know, I'm, I'm, and I have a lot of anger issues and anxiety and I get, I get a lot of, and I've been trying to get me a service dog for a long time. One of the biggest things I've run into as a veteran, one is the cost for a lot of them to get a service dog. It, it can be relative, it can be really expensive. Yes. And then to find an organization that's willing to help a veteran who needs a service dog, that's going to help him change, you know, help him or her get better control of their lives and help that dog is there to basically be your shadow and make sure you're okay all the time and you have them. But to find an organization like yours that can do that, because like I've had a few here in Texas that I'm, cause I'm in Texas and we're, we're kind of here. I've had a few reach out to me cause they were trying to help me cause they know what I do and they know how many veterans I help and what I do. And I'm like, yeah, I could use the service dog. You know I mean? I could, but, I can't afford, you know, $10,000 or 12,000. I don't have that kind of money. I'm not, I'm not rich. So I don't have that. So I can't do it. So, cause a lot of the organizations that I know of, even though they're doing it for you to help you, they don't help you get to that step where you can actually get like, that was going to be one of my questions. You're like, okay, well, how do I, tr- cause I like, got, you do a dog, but don't we have to be with the dog and the dog's got to get to know us for the commands and the voice and the smell and, you know, all the connection stuff. So how does that work? Like we fly out to where you're at because it, you know, the one I had that was in Houston that was going to do it for me was like, yeah, you got to come to Houston. And, we, and it was like a four week thing. And I'm like, I can't be there for a month, bro. I got a life. I got family. I got kids. You know what I'm saying? 
I can't be there that long. I mean, I might be able to pull off a week or two. You know what I'm saying? Like, I might be able to work that out with my wife. But I, my wife ain't going to let me be gone for a month. You know what I'm saying? It ain't going to happen. I said, you guys can't come to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys can't come here. <laughs> like, no. So that's the that's probably, for me, has always been the biggest challenge. I do have a lot of veterans that come to me and ask me about places that have place for service dogs. I'm like, well, I, I always recommend a few that I know of. But I also tell them that, look, this isn't a, a lot of the stuff is not always free. It's not the people broadcast it, but there's always usually some kind of hidden thing. So just be ready for that and don't get frustrated. And if you need to walk away, walk away. But I, I'm very interested in looking into your nonprofit now, because I'm going to look into that because like my wife's been pushing me for years to get a service dog that can take care of me in the times where cause she's like, if that dog would just get up on your lap and you start to get frustrated or angry and it kind of lets everybody know that you're starting to get that way then you probably wouldn't blow up at us and the kids or whatever, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're probably right, but we don't have one. So it just, it happens. So it's kind of one of those things when you're a vet, because I got a guys around here, because I'm right near Fort Hood, Texas. So we got one of the largest military bases in the country here. There's 38,000 active duty soldiers and there's about 150,000 veterans that live within 25 miles of Fort Hood. Like literally, I tell my, like when we drive on the road here, every third car has got a disabled vet plate. So like yeah. almost everybody here is a vet or a soldier. So there is so much need for those type of things. Cause like my wife said, geez, a dog would probably change our lives. Cause that dog would let you know when you're starting to get frustrated or angry, cause it would sense it. It would jump on your lap or do whatever it does. And you'd know to calm down because you're about to explode or whatever that would change our lives. I said, you're right, but we can't afford a service dog. Cause I can't, I don't, we don't have that kind of money. She said, there's gotta be a place out there that's free. I said, well, there probably are, but they're probably hard to find. They're probably hard. You know, they probably have a waiting list because most of these organizations have a long waiting list because vets need this. And we're not the only veteran, couple out here that needs this type of support plus we already have three dogs and i don't know if i bring another dog in the house is going to be the best thing for our dogs you know what i mean because we have a i got a little miniature datsun i got a beagle and then i got a half pit half something you know what i mean These are, who's my I mean, dog at some point you have the herd mentality issue right. with that many dogs That's what i told her I, said, I don't we got too many dogs as it is we should have maxed out at two but we brought in the third dog is actually a friend of mine he's a soldier his him and his wife had a baby and the dog wasn't doing good around the, the infant right yeah, we came up to visit him to see check on the kids and i'm like look man all right i'll take the dog so i took the dog because i'm like all right we got a big enough yard i got kids i got all my kids are grown so and he's a really good dog don't get me wrong he's but he's a kind of a knucklehead he kind of likes to get on your feet all the time but he's he doesn't have any sense like he just he's just he's silly but but he listens he's he obeys everything you tell him but he's just he's not a service dog and my wife's like well just make him a service dog i said well i can get the, the little tags for him to say he's a service dog but i mean he doesn't do the things a service dog does you know like he doesn't like stay at heel at my side whatever he just kind of walks around and does circles around me like that's what he does he's, 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 i think he's got something wrong with that but great dog i mean he's a great dog. His way of trying to show you because he doesn't know any other way to tell you yeah well he but he does that to all like he follows my wife around he follows the kid my son my youngest son is nine he follows him around like a ghost like he ghosts him all the time like he really loves jacob so he runs around with jacob all the time but i mean those are the challenges, I think, though, for your nonprofit. I think that's one of your biggest challenges because the amount of vets that need those that that service is tremendous. So, I mean, I imagine you guys have a waiting list, right? I mean, you probably have a waiting list for people. So, it, it's um, it's a chicken and egg a little bit, if that makes sense, because yeah. we custom train the dog. We have a certain amount of dogs. Like until Monday, we had twenty dogs in training. We just graduated four veterans, so we're down to sixteen right now. Right. Um, those are pre-trained to a certain stage where they're just very generic obedience and everything. And then once we have the application, we figure out which dog is most compatible with that household and that person. So what kind of job you have? Do you have cats? Do you have other dogs, small children? Yeah, dogs, I got chinchillas. We have, to, we have to pick from our stock of ladies, basically, on who would be most compatible for 
you know, I call it match.com the application. It's very detailed. It is, yeah. That's pretty much what it is, too. You're going to spend a lot of time with that animal, right? Yeah. Um, so, and if we have the dog already, it can be as short as six months before you come through the program, if we have space. If we don't have a dog that's right for you yet, we still have to train it. And if that's from puppy on, that can be up to 18 months. So sometimes these wait lists are because we have to plan in strategically the length of the training and raising this dog before we can ever pair them. So like, yeah, wish the wait lists were shorter. I'm thinking to myself, like, first, if I apply to your thing, you say, okay, yep, I got two cats. I got a three dogs. I got a chinchilla and a rabbit. And I mean, we got like, a, I, mean, I, got, I got kids, you know what I'm saying? So we got all this crazy. And I'm like, because I told my wife, so, well, if I got an, if I had a service dog, I would, we would, we could find another home for a dog or two in our house. You know what I'm saying? We can move like, cause Diesel's a good dog. Most people would love to have Diesel. He's a good watchdog. He barks, he doesn't, but he's not a, he's not atrociously a bad dog. You know what I mean? He'd be fine. Or, or a little beagle other than howling at the trains when they go by and he'd be like, the train whistle goes off. He starts howling. It's funny, but, uh, and then we got a miniature Dotson. That's my wife's dog. It's kind of her dog. So we never really get rid of that dog, but not that I wouldn't mind getting rid of that dog, but we're not going to get rid of it. But, um, yeah, that's the difficult part. I think for a lot of vets is to, you know, the time. Cause like, if it took 18 months, and me, I would want a specific type of dog. Like, I don't want a great big dog. I'd want a dog, like a medium-sized dog that can get on my lap, but he's not so heavy that, like, because, like, Diesel's too big to get on my lap. So I would be looking for, like, one of those little miniature kind of midway dog kind of sizes because I don't want a giant dog, and I don't want a little tiny dog either, like a little ankle biter. You know what I mean? So there there you go. But that's just a challenge, I think. But, but, but I, we also say you always get the dog you need, not the dog you want. Exactly. So I can tell you how much control you have well, or what you You're going to get the dog you need, not the dog you want. I'm like, all right, you know, so there you go. But yeah. So it's been great. I mean, I think what you do is amazing. I think any kind of, any kind of service like that is, is so needed. And there's not, a, there's not enough organizations like that out there that are helping to do the type of things they need to do for the vets that need that type of, you know, because it would literally, I know it would change my life if I had a dog that every time I started to get my anxiety or my anger, they could send, they jump. It would they alert. Them. They alert on you. They but actually would, interrupt your behavior. That start. Right. They so can. That they can preemptively see that my behavior is about to get really bad. So they jump up and just. That would change my life, especially with my wife, because my wife's Mexican and I'm Italian and I'm hard headed. She's hard headed. So when we start a fight, like when we start an argument, it gets escalated fast and it's loud and you know it's, bit, oh, yeah. it's tough. And the kids are looking around and I'm like, oh lord, they're doing it again. So. But she's told me, she said, that's what we need. We need something that can control and sense when you're going to, you're getting to that level that's going to control you and calm you down because he's going to get in your lap and you're going to pet him and you're going to calm down before you escalate. And then I know that too, when I see the dog that's using, I know I'm, fu I'm frustrating you or whatever. So now I know I need to step off you and give you a minute or whatever. I said, you're right, babe. But the catch 22 to that is we've already got three dogs. We've got two cats. We've got a chinchilla and a rat. I mean, a lot of people won't even place a dog with us because we got too much going on and it's too much, too much. It'll be too hard to bring a new, new animal into, you know, the whole mix. So it's, it's challenging. You know what I mean? So if you're a veteran out there listening to this and you're in need of a service dog, first of all, reach out to Danique and her crew and see what they can do for you if you need it. But remember, it's a criteria that you have to meet too. They can't just give you a dog because you want one. Like she said, you got to need it. And then that need has to show that it fits inside of what you're living in. Right. I mean, that's basically what you're saying. It's got to fit in that mold of your lifestyle because it's got to make Yeah, sense. I mean, if you're if you're a welder, for example, like let's be realistic about certain industrial jobs, a dog just can't go with you. Even if you have PTSD, it's not feasible. If you're a diver, like right. what are you going to do, bro? Yeah, yeah. So dive suit on the dog. Yeah. You, know, you, you have to be a little realistic on A, what your actual needs are. And for some people, the reality is a pet dog can already have a tremendous impact. Yeah. And other people, they do need that extra level 
where the dog is able to go with them in public everywhere. But then you have some limitations on your career choices. For example, you cannot go inspect oil rigs in the Gulf. For example, it's not real. Like right. it's not realistic. You're right. I mean, that, and that's what I'm talking about. Because see, veterans like me would think, okay, I just need a service dog because you know. But then people like you, they can go, okay, look, you do this. Dog doesn't really fit in that lifestyle because X, Y, and Z. See what I'm saying? So us giving you a dog and taking away from a veteran who could use it because he fits inside our need, you know, the the parameters of what needs to be to be successful because what we don't want to do is give you a dog and you're not successful with a dog because your lifestyle doesn't allow you to have that dog with you all the time then it becomes a hindrance or a burden or right. an obstacle or you, or you start doing something the dog shouldn't be doing yeah so there's a whole bunch of stuff so it's been yeah it's definitely one of those things so it's definitely a challenge there i think so that's the challenge well there's a lot of coaching involved too with having conversations about you know also what their expectations are and what they think the dog is going to do for them Right. You know? I, I imagine your guys' screening process is pretty in-depth in trying to find about, about this, the veteran himself and then his environment, then his family environment. And, then, you know, I mean, there's a lot of research you guys got to kind of do to make sure you're placing the dog in a, and also in a safe place. You know, you've got to make sure the dog's safe there, too, as far as the way the dog has to live. So, yeah. I mean, it's a really intense wraparound service and they're with us for life. Like we cover emergencies after the fact, like mm -hmm. the whole family gets coached. You have remedial training if you need it. So it's really like one-stop shop when you're getting a dog but yes you have to put skin in the game is what we call it so if you're not willing to work on yourself and also be genuine in the application with right like Honestly. this is what makes me angry this is why i need a dog because i constantly yell at my dad or something like right. i need you to get raw with me so i can train a dog the right way so if you're going to be shy and pretend like there ain't nothing wrong with me i'm a grown-ass man Great. Good for you, bro. Well, then you can't, can't get a dog on the grown-ass man's beach. Yeah, yeah. Go buy a dog then. Get out of here. So, yeah, but I, I got you 100%. Yeah, so. All right. So, this has been amazing. I, I've learned actually a ton of stuff today doing this meeting with you and having this interview with you. It's been a lot enlightening to me because I, you don't think about those things in the meat of it. You know what I mean? You think about it, but you don't. You know, you don't think about placement. You don't think about those little things. So, that's been great to hear. And hopefully, all you out there listening, take this into consideration. So, if you're still on active duty and you know you have PTSD or you know you're going to have issues when you get out, Listen to what Danique's talking about. I mean, yes, you can apply for these things, but make sure you're putting yourself in a position where this service animal is going to be productive for not only you, but for itself. And it's going to be in the right environment for you and for yourself. So that that way, the dog or the animal that you're with is doing the right things for you. Because I imagine it's expensive to train these dogs. Like it's not cheap, right? So our, ours cost about $25,000. Yeah, train um, one. No, the veteran doesn't pay that. The donors do. Right. The donors um, help you train the dogs, but it's twenty-five grand a dog. So think of four dogs is a hundred thousand dollars, guys. So listen and gals, listen to what she's saying. So if you get a dog from them, you're getting the value of what that training costs. You're getting the value of the life, the rest of the life of that dog, which is probably going to be you know eight to ten years. But that dog is going to be with you as your battle buddy forever. And da da da. They're investing in you, basically. They're investing $25,000 into you as a veteran that you're going to take care of the dog. You're going to mentor the, you know, you're going to do what you, so there's a lot, there's a lot of responsibilities getting a service dog too. And I think a lot of veterans don't think about those things. They just want, you know, a lot of veterans, unfortunately, still walk around feeling entitled that they're entitled to it or whatever. And, you know, you and Danique and your crew got to kind of go through that and screen that, I'm sure, just to make sure that these aren't one of those guys or gals that are just trying to get it done because they feel entitled to it versus there's a need there and we can fill that need based on their situation. So it's been amazing. I mean, I'll be honest, our warrior coordinator will hang up on you. If you're rude, she's been told to oh, yeah. not listen to that. Yeah, no, yeah. Move on. yeah, move on. I mean, that's what I do. The same thing. Look, look, don't take no shit from nobody. Move on. If they get crazy, just hang up. If they try to call back, block the number and move on. We ain't got time for that. Because we, we were all in the service. So right. don't call me sideways. Yeah. yeah. We're all military. Yeah. We're all veterans. Come on now. So yeah. 
All right, Denise. So it has been great. So what, uh, what can our listeners, what can our supporters, what can everybody do? What can we do to help you with your organization and what can we do to help move things forward for you and make things better? Obviously, um, come follow us on all the social channels, Leashes of Valor on Insta and Facebook and everything. Um, we are very actively involved in research. So even just sharing some of the information we put out can really have an impact on future veterans getting dogs. Um, so just the power of your message can have a huge impact. And of course, um, we have a website, leashesofvalor.org. We have an Amazon wish list. So if you'd like to just buy a couple dog treats or just want to send us cash or support our mission, um, you yeah. can find us at leashesofvalor.org. Yeah, and that... Listen, guys, that's huge. Now, it'll be in the show notes. All her website, her Facebook page, all her social media links will be in the show notes. So please check those out after you listen. But she's serious. Look, look go. I, I got a lot of nonprofits that do this, too. They make a wish list on Amazon or whatever, and people can just go buy stuff and have it shipped right to them. That is probably one of the most important things for Leashes of Valor, because like getting little dog treats and things while they're training the dogs, they're incidental costs for most of us. It's 10, 15, 20 bucks. But if 100 of us do that and they get $2,000 worth of treats and things for their dog, it's going to make their training sessions easier, guys. So listen, help her out social media, share her page, go to her Facebook page and like it, and share it to your friends or your veteran, all the groups you are on Facebook that are veteran groups and stuff. Get it out there. Get the name out there. Get things flowing for them because the more visibility they get, I know this from experience as a nonprofit, running a nonprofit, the more visibility they get, the more likely they're going to get donations coming in from different directions that might've just been because you shared it on one of these pages or you shared it on your own page and your friends saw it and they're like, oh, I want to help with that because I know that could help Bobby or Joey or whoever. And they reach out. So reach out, do the right thing. Throw a few bucks at them, buy them a couple dog treats, buy them a toy for the dogs, whatever. I'm going to personally get on there after the show is over and I'm going to get something for them just because I think it's the right thing to do. It's going to help their mission, which is going to help more veterans. Because that's in the end, if you're listening to this, you're a veteran or going to be a veteran or you support, you're a patriotic human being and you're an American and you love veterans, then do something to support it. Show your support by taking action. Don't just listen. Take action. She needs you to take action for her nonprofit. I need you to take action for my nonprofit because that's the only way we can continue our mission to support veterans, right? And Danique will tell you, $25,000 to train one dog is a lot of work for the nonprofit trying to raise that kind of money. That's a lot of work, all right? So help her out. Help her out. Buy some dog treats. You know what I'm saying? Get on Amazon. Go to her Facebook page, follow their links or their, their website, follow their links and go do something for them. I'm going to do it personally. As soon as we hang up, I'm going to get on the website. I'm going to get something for the dogs because I think it's amazing because I think it's one of the most underrated and un, what's the right word? Unrecognized needs that veterans have that can change their a veteran's life because literally it can change your life. It can literally change the life of a veteran and make their lives more comparable, more suitable for their surroundings with their family and all that stuff. So it's a big deal. So, Danique, I want to thank you for coming on today. It's been great to have you on. You opened my eyes to a lot of new insight that I had no insight into. And uh, I run a nonprofit myself, and I've been working with a lot of nonprofits to help with service dogs. But now I think I need to reach out to you on another level and see what I can do to help you from the from Texas and what we do here, because I can cross-promote you on my social media, too, and help you out. So we're definitely going to stay in touch, I think. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, yeah, I look forward to staying connected and all the great yeah. things you're doing. Yeah, it's been an honor. Thank you, Danique, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. All right. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Hope you all got something out of this podcast today. Please tell a battle buddy about us and stay tuned for our upcoming podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at www.veteransbereal.com. Support us because we got your back. Till next time, everyone. I'm out of here. Oh,